Judge Escobar. Welcome to the platform. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. No, thank you for being here. And just so people know, mm -hmm. I'm going to call her Anna. She gave me permission. Yes. But we know it's <laughs> Judge Escobar, if you ever see her. <laughs> <laughs> so don't be like me. I got permission. I got yes. special privileges. Um, but Judge Anna is the judge for General Sessions Court Division Three. And so uh, we're going to get into all of that. Okay. Um, but how's this, how's life been? How's everything going? <sighs> well, um, since the election in May, things have actually gotten more hectic, but, mm. but it's a beautiful, wonderful hectic because right. um, I did not have opposition, which I was very blessed. And um, so now I can actually do the work, right? <laughs> right? And I think that's why I'm so hectic, because I'm actually doing the work. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. Well, um, your journey to this work is, is, is what I really want to dive into okay. and explore uh, to start this off. Mm -hmm. So um, born and raised, Columbia. Well, well, uh, well go ahead. Let's, uh, okay, uh, go ahead. Okay. Tell, tell me. Tell me about you. you know. <laughs> okay. So I was born in Co Colombia. Okay. I was born in, and I always have to say Colombia, South America, South right? America, <laughs> Columbia. True, true. So I was Not born Columbia, in Colombia, Exactly. Or South Carolina, North, whatever. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> so uh, I was born in Colombia. I was born in Bogota, but my parents were from Cali. Oh, okay. Um, so every time we'd go back to Colombia, um, when I was a child, we'd go to Cali. Okay. And honestly, not until I started watching Narcos did I realize what was going on in Cali when I was going back there. Really? <laughs> because, you know, we just would go and see family, so we never, you know, were exposed to anything crazy. But now right. I'm like, what were y'all thinking? Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, so my parents came here when I was six months old. Okay. And um, we moved to Nashville. First, we landed in Providence, Rhode Island, where my dad um, was able to do a residency there. Okay. And then my dad got a residency at Vanderbilt. Wow. And um, we came here, and my dad tells the story that, you know, it was between Lubbock and Nashville. <laughs> and nobody knew what Nashville was like, or, you know, everybody in Rhode Island told him he was crazy, but mm -hmm. he chose Nashville um, because the... Uh, person in charge of residence at Vanderbilt happened to be a Peace Corps oh, in okay. Colombia and was oh. really loved Colombian people. So oh, my, wow. Yeah, so he was very generous. Peace and, Corps comes Yes, through. yes. Thank you, Peace Corps. <laughs> so he was very generous. Um, it's funny how, you know, doors open yeah. for, you know, reasons you would never predict. But um, so he was very generous and warm to us. So we came to Nashville. And briefly, we moved to Colorado, where my brother was born, um, because my dad thought he wanted to be a professor, but he realized he wanted to practice medicine. Okay. So we came back, and I've been here 47 years. Wow. So when I first, when we were here, um, there were only a handful of families who right. spoke Spanish, who were Hispanic, um, and my parents quickly gravitated to them. And mm -hmm. to this day, those people are my family. I mean, wow. we celebrate you know, anniversaries, birthdays, right. uh, sadly now more funerals, yeah. but weddings and all that. Um, so that was my family, but um, I can go on and on yeah. if you want well, me to. <laughs> no, so what's interesting to me, because I think mm -hmm. like perception wise, right, um, 
was it with around like the 70s when yes you, so yes there's a lot going on right. during that time right? right especially in south america in general but specifically colombia right yes um and so bogota all those places mm-hmm. we all seen narcos right, right. <laughs> we, we all we all know right we all we all know what was happening during this that point in time but it, it just hit me like your your dad was is a doctor like mm-hmm. so during that time like because you don't hear those stories of those professionals right that was like how, dealing with that mm-hmm. at the same time and figuring like how like how am I'm going to like finish school and how right. is this affecting like my professional career or potential professional career what can I do for my family so what was that like like for your parents right. during that time and having yeah. to really co- relocate because they knew that was the best thing to do. Well, them. it's so funny because now they are at risk adverse. But but thinking back at them as young people with a baby mm-hmm. coming here, they knew English. But, of course, you know, you learn English in school. It's right. not going to be perfect. Um, and they just dared to do it. And it's amazing to me that they did that. And somehow I, I admire my mom now um, as an adult because as a child I didn't realize it. Like she figured out Thanksgiving. You know, she figured out how, and this is all before the internet, right? She figured out like it's turkey and cranberries (laughs) and you know, all that. It's obviously we don't have Thanksgiving in Colombia. She figured out 4th of July, you know? Um, And in Colombia, when they were there, when they were growing up, there was no Santa Claus. Santa Claus is American. Right. And Halloween is American. Um, But now it's in Colombia, but... um, we would get gifts from the baby Jesus and Santa Claus. And so baby Jesus would get, would put our gifts at the side of our bed. Right. And then Santa Claus gifts were under the Christmas tree. So I I marvel at how they were able to kind of figure out Nashville without the internet, without ways, you know? Right. (laughs) And um, luckily they had a good support system with that handful of families. Um, Because back then hardly anyone spoke Spanish. and if you spoke it, what the beautiful thing was, people weren't um, intimidated or frightened by it. It was more curious, like, right. tell me where you're from, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And not until later has it been. Um, yeah. It makes me sad. About a month ago, my parents and I were in Franklin at um, Cracker Barrel. And you know how you have to wait at Cracker Barrel. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of crazy family. My mom speaks in Spanish, and I was speaking to her in English. And I could tell this lady was so bothered by the fact that we were speaking Spanish in public. And it made me so sad because yeah. I, that's not how I grew up here. Yeah. So. Well, you know. Yeah. Franklin. <laughs> yeah. 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 That is fascinating because, yeah. you know, growing up here myself, you know, uh, like, it's easy to be isolated right in your yes. own community bubbles it's the south and things right. like that and so i wonder how did your parents like navigate that especially se- like 70s 80s this is a real right. interesting time right. for our country right, right. like post civil rights yes. and all of these things are happening immigrant right all of these mm. things are going on so were your, were your parents aware about what was happening in this country and how like racially and especially in the south it was just different than coming from a more like homogenous country right. where everybody is pretty much the same right but you come in here now where it's, mm-hmm. it's a little different right well i will say my grandfather's black or was black um he passed away and so my mother and my grandmother was white and so my grand my mother dealt with 
racial issues in Colombia. Mm. So she kind of had a an eye for right. that, you know. Um, and it's funny in the '80s, all our mail would be opened because from Colombia because we were Escobars right and, and we lived in Franklin and, and we were the only ones because right. of course you're going to move to Franklin if you're right. an Escobar right <laughs> but literally like my you know this is all before the internet like I keep saying right but um my dad would ask my grandmother to send him coffee or mm-hmm. you know you know, mixes for breads and stuff like that. And our our letters and packages always were opened by the U.S. Postal wow. Service. So um, that's kind of an interesting thing. Um, right. Yeah. Which I never really thought about at the time. Yeah. But I'm sure it hurt them. Right. Um, it's like, we're just, we just want coffee. Yeah, we just want coffee. We just want our pack. We just want mail. And just, we just want our coffee from home. That, that's it. We want this good old Colombian yeah. good coffee. Yeah. So when did... When did you start becoming aware that one that maybe I'm different, mm-hmm. you know, I may be yeah. different from the the majority of people around me, right? Especially in Franklin, right? I'm a little, I'm a, I'm different. I, I I'm speaking two languages, right. um, in this in this thing here in the United States, these social constructs, like they're becoming obvious now. Mm-hmm. When did that really hit yeah. you? Yeah, I think in high school because, um, I. I felt during that time um and luckily i don't feel that way now but during that time i felt like i didn't fit in mm-hmm. you know um and one thing that i that i've realized older is that the spanish i know is the spanish my parents knew from the 60s and 70s so right. i kind of speak antiquated spanish i don't mm-hmm. know any you know lingo or you know popular words i speak <laughs> their spanish because right. they taught me spanish um, and so within, like, not that there were any young Hispanic people here in Nashville, but I, I, my Spanish is a little more antiquated. Right. But then on the other side with my American friends, like, my mom wouldn't let us spend the night at places mm. and um, just a kind of a different family structure, right. I guess. Um, so I'd never really felt like I fit in, but mm. I didn't realize why until later. Right. Um, and Nashville was just so, I mean, it's a blessing, I guess, in that I was always the only Hispanic student in right. the classroom, but it occasionally people wouldn't know what I was and would call me Indian or, you know, right. things like that, but it was never ugly, mm-hmm. not really. Yeah. And so I guess I was blessed in that, you know, ignorance is bliss kind of thing. Yeah. And so, um, but, you know. The moment that it all kind of came t- together for me was when I went to law school. Okay. And I went to um, George Washington in Washington, D.C., and right. I started meeting other students that were Hispanic. And, mm. and instead of it being assimilated Hispanic, they were Hispanic. And right. they were like, <laughs> you know, and so um, I joined the um, Hispanic um, student association and we'd have these parties and there would be this wonderful music and right. people would bring food and and it was like so empowering to be yeah. like wow this is what I have this is what I own right. and um, so then I started volunteering at this um, uh, immigration clinic out there in DC and that's the first time I realized hey I can use the Spanish I know whether mm-hmm. antiquated or not to help people Mm. And that's when the light bulb went off. Right. And that's when I was like, okay, I can do something with this. And so, so you went to Vanderbilt, mm-hmm. which is which is 
most people go to Vanderbilt for undergrad. They said, like, oh, if I'm going to go to law school, might as well say at Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. Then they have a view. You, well, I'm still on the waiting list still, at Vanderbilt. <laughs> so <laughs> any day now. Vanderbilt, <laughs> this is the issue, all right? I don't know what else Anna has to do at this point to be accepted. <laughs> exactly. So that's the answer to you your might question. Be, you might be overqualified at this point. You might, they say, well, you know. I don't think I can get in now, but. <laughs> so um, what sparked that inspiration to get into law? Sadly, I wish I had this amazing story, but <laughs> that is in medicine, right? And yeah. So-, so the sight of blood makes me like sweat and gag. I cannot add. <laughs> okay. Um, and so it was like, I'll go to law school, you know, because I did looking back as a child, I did kind of advocate on the playground for All people right. who were being mistreated or I'd feel bad for people. I was looking Right. I was aware of people that were not being treated nicely. And I guess mm-hmm. that translated into advocacy. Okay. So I went to law school and nobody in my family, I didn't, was a lawyer and um, I didn't know any lawyers and I kind of went in blind. Like I really did not know what I was doing. Right. And kind of like legally blonde, seriously. Like I had <laughs> yeah. no idea you were supposed to read before you got to class. I had no <laughs> idea. So I get there <laughs> And I, I love telling this story. Back when there were bulletin boards. Right. Yep. There was a flyer for the Office of the Public Defender's Office okay. um, here in Nashville. And they wanted um, interns, preferably those who spoke Spanish. Wow. And, you know, I was like, well, I'm from Nashville. I speak Spanish. Yeah. And I really couldn't justify staying there over the summer because of money. So I, I was like, I'll just give this a try. Yeah. And that's honestly when I fell in love with criminal law. Wow. Yeah. So it was just kind of like, yeah, Carl Dean was the public defender. Wow. And he recognized that the city needed native speakers or or Spanish speaking attorneys um, to help because right then that's what the very start of that construction boom starts. Okay. And so a lot of men were coming from other countries to help with the building and the construction. And honestly, it started off where, you know, they'd get their paycheck and go get a DUI or a public intoxication. It was just, you know, blowing right. your weekend mo- or your, your money. Right. And then um, as the population grew, things got a little more serious. But he really, um, you know, I always say you should have a champion and not just a mentor. And mm-hmm. Carl Dean's been my champion. Wow. Uh, um, and he saw ahead that the city would need people mm-hmm. who spoke spanish yeah but that's some good foresight because mm-hmm. <laughs> we yeah, probably still need more yeah. yes absolutely <laughs> wow that's 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 interesting mm-hmm. so you especially going through the public defender's office and everyone that i know i've had on here attorneys judges mm-hmm. anywhere in between has always raved about our current public mm-hmm. defender's office and what Martisha johnson is doing and the yeah. whole team and staff is over there so shout out to them um hopefully i never need no, public you defender won't. You won't. nobody i don't i don't want to i want these issues but if you do <laughs> we got a good we got a good public defender's office yeah. here um so vanderbilt and i, I want to touch on this mm-hmm. but especially around diversity because oh, growing yeah. up in nashville yeah. which is which is crazy yeah. like many of my friends we never thought we belonged at vanderbilt it was right. like we know it's there but ah, I don't think that's for us, right? And so being able to go mm-hmm. there for undergraduate school um, as a Latinx woman um, here in the South, right. going to the Harvard of the South, um, 
I know you spoke about finding your community in Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. Uh, in DC. DC, excuse DC, me, yeah. in DC. Mm-hmm. But like, did that happen at Vanderbilt or was like you yeah. was just trying to <laughs> figure it out? Well, I'll be honest. I mean, I went to Vanderbilt. I applied to Vanderbilt because of that whole, you know, Hispanic thing where you stay close to your family. Yeah, It, it yeah. wasn't really that, you know, mm-hmm. that's what it was. But I did live on campus. But um, it, Vanderbilt back then um, was so not diverse. It was not diverse. And people who were Hispanic came from Texas. Okay. And there's a difference. You know, there's Texan Hispanics who may or may not speak Spanish. And, right. then, and um, it's just different. And so that was the type of people that I guess would you would consider diverse but um you know at that time Judge Sheila Calloway was there with yep. me too and so I, oh wow I, yeah yeah so we weren't like close but I knew who she was right. she was homecoming queen of course <laughs> as she she is everywhere right but um <laughs> she's wonderful hey Anna remember when I was homecoming queen of <laughs> yeah. she's wonderful she is wonderful has been Um, But, yeah, no diversity. And I just marvel at how stupid we were because the biggest protest when I was around was when they were going to change from Coke products to Pepsi products. I mean, it was just so sheltered, so in a bubble, so (laughs) like Greek life, you know. And now it's really changed. It's amazing. Yeah, Vanderbilt has been radicalized in many ways. Yes. Especially the students that it's in there. And so... You go to law school, mm-hmm. you graduate, pass the bar, mm-hmm. all of those things, yes. right? What what all judges do, right? Yeah. You gotta you gotta go through these foundational steps. What was that initial experience like for you? Um, go back to the public defender's mm-hmm. office, right? Yes. So now you're working with the most oppressed, marginalized, socially, economically um, handicapped. Uh, folks, right. you know that 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 end up going through our criminal legal system. I'll tell you, it is that is the hardest job I've ever had. Mm. Is being a public defender um, because there are so many times where there aren't any good options. You know, right. if, if, and you know in your head, if I if this client had money, we could do X, Y, and Z. Right. Um, it was the hardest hardest job, but. Um, at that time, Carl Dean had assembled just wonderful, wonderful um, people. Mm-hmm. Sheila Calloway, once again, was in my life there. Right. Um, Don Diener, you know, who used to yeah. be the public defender. Mm-hmm. Um, just wonderful people that I learned so much from. And that's, you know, I grew up in a bubble, but um, I, I started to learn about what it's like to be unhoused and right. how to navigate the criminal justice system when you don't have the resources and that has I think hopefully it gives me a better perspective as a judge right. when people are asked to pay back restitutions or takes mm-hmm. classes the first thing I say mm-hmm. is can you budget for this and right. sometimes people don't understand what I'm trying to say is right. you know is this a realistic thing are we setting you up for failure right. can I waive some some costs here can I waive right. fees um, because it's not fair, right? You know, from a Hispanic Latinx mm-hmm. lens, um, and this is, and, and I want to, I want to like kind of pivot into like the the meat of this conversation, mm-hmm. because as a black man, um, I know when we talk about our criminal legal system, criminal justice system, 
we're talking about black and brown people. Mm-hmm. We're talking about people that look like yes. you and yes. people that look like me. <laughs> um, when did you start seeing that, hmm, people that look like me is having a different type of experience going through this system, whether they are have committed offense, mm-hmm. uh, um, Yes, or no, been proven innocent yeah. or guilty over offense they have been alleged to commit. Like, when did that start to seek in for you as you was making mm-hmm. your way, you know, through the stumping grounds of the, the criminal legal system in your career right. and your path? Right. Um, I think, honestly, in the world of drug cases. Okay. Um, because, you know, the majority, and I've defended and I've prosecuted drug cases. Um, the majority, I hate to say this, uh, of the people that were being prosecuted or that I defended were black and brown. Mm-hmm. And then when you're brown, you have that added layer of immigration. So it, it has such a big consequence on your family, on your freedom. Um, and it becomes such a bigger more important decision. Right. I mean, I, I take that back. Can we strike that part? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, we just, we just, we just, we just talking. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I mean, when you have that added component of will I get de- deported, mm-hmm. it's like you have only really bad choices in right. the situation. Yeah. And most of them, you cannot get probation. Right. Um, and so you have to serve time and then go off to um, ICE jail or immigration jail. Um, to get deported and and um, you know uh, the worst is for me was um, when I was a a defense attorney Um, you know in Tennessee you have to pay uh, you have to prove the source of bond of any bond over 75,000 and so of course these bond back then uh, drug cases, big drug cases, had huge bonds. And so, you know, these um, people that I would defend would have a ton of family members, and one person could put in 5000 and the other person could put in two or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so we'd have these source hearings, and the judges were not very uh, sensitive or informed or mm-hmm racially anything I mean they were so mean to these family members Mm. who were you know a lot of times domestic workers or you know people in construction where they're not going to have like you know these huge savings accounts or you know bonds and stocks that you can sell to show where this money came from Um, and so that kept so many people in jail when in fact these hard-working people had legitimately earned their money you know, legally, right? But they, the judges were just awful about you know, twenty people coming in saying I'll put in two thousand. You know, yeah. so that that was that would not happen to right. somebody who was not right, black or brown. And so I I, I wanna mm-hmm. um I had this down, so I want you to okay. I want you to since you like kind of took us through a little bit mm-hmm. because we 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 know. For example, General Sessions Court. Yes. It can be hectic for a lot of people. Especially, it can be very chaotic, if, especially if you've never been, you don't mm-hmm. know. There's no manual to say, hey, this is when you walk <laughs> through the door. Before you walk through the door, where do you park? Right? Yeah. <laughs> right? And so, right? Yes. so it can be a lot. 
but that add a layer of being maybe a new American, mm-hmm. an immigrant, language barriers, right? right? So can you can you take us through some of the barriers that someone who may be new to Nashville, new to this country, mm-hmm. right? Their 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 English skills are, are maybe novice, low intermediate right. at best, right? And they 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 don't know. They just know they have to show up here to this right. court, to this building, right. and figure things out. What are those hurdles and barriers look like uh, for us that who who would just never know? Yeah. And just like we know, we can we we if we can proficiently understand and know English, mm-hmm. which helps, right? right? Um, even though it can still be chaotic, but that extra layer of not understanding. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm here. What identification do I have or don't have? All of those things. Right. So you take us, can you take us through that? Yes, that's a really good question. So let's start with the language. So what ooh, makes me so mad is when people, you know, are there in court and, the, and an officer or an attorney or prosecutor or a judge will be like, well, they speak English. Mm. They don't need an interpreter. They mm. spoke English that night. Well, they might be able to answer their name, give their address say what their occupation is but right. when you start talking about legal concepts right. and you add that you're incredibly nervous right. <laughs> people need interpreters right. and when i was practicing law um maybe 15 years ago at first in some of these rural counties you had to hire your own interpreter mm. and i remember having a jury trial in franklin and we're doing um, jury back, selection. Back to Franklin. Back to Franklin. <laughs> and uh, doing jury selection. And this juror asked me, who's paying for the interpreter? But, you know, they did not they did not want their taxpayer dollars going to an interpreter. Wow. And back then, you paid for your interpreter. So I was able to assure them that their hard-earned tax dollars were not being used for that. Um, the second part of that is, unfortunately, and I'm seeing this in the Kurdish community now, but at First, in the Hispanic community, there were many people who took advantage of their own people. Mm. So there would be um, notaries, which are called notarios in, um, in, in Latin American countries, and they have more power than our notary public. Okay. So it's almost between a lawyer and a notary public. And so they, would, they will um, advertise as a notary, and then people think they're hiring kind of a quasi-lawyer. Right. And sometimes they would charge more than I did. Wow. And so their whole thing was, you know, I'll take you to court. I'll put you in the room you're supposed to be in. Everything but negotiate and act like a lawyer. And so people get taken advantage of, Mm. you know. And that happens a lot also in the immigration world where the prices can be, you know, astronomical. Right. Because people will pay for hope, right? Right. Anyway, so you've got people taking advantage of that. And I... Sadly, this year I saw that happening in the Kurdish community, um, which is against the law. You know, Um, then, you know, the just legal concepts. Not every country has our, obviously, Mm -hmm. our justice system. So it's trying to explain to somebody there's general sessions and grand jury and then criminal court or you know the difference between civil and criminal right some countries it's not illegal to drive drunk right um and in some countries if you (laughs) that is true yes (laughs) if you pay off the officer at the scene right you know things go a different way yeah exactly so just those basic concepts are really hard and just i never yeah. I never thought of that mm-hmm. of like understanding like this is how this is how these kind of things work mm-hmm. in my in my home country, and I can only imagine get if 
I can only imagine getting pulled over here in the United States mm-hmm. and really not understanding like how serious it, it can get really quickly, especially for a brown or black right. person, right? Not even understanding that concept mm-hmm. yet and thinking like, oh yeah, like, <laughs> here you right. go. You're like what? what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm. I want. I'm just. Here you go. Ah. Yeah. Or just think about like sometimes I'll. I'm a rule follower, okay, but sometimes I'll forget my license at home, mm-hmm. and I'll think, oh my gosh, I hope I don't get pulled over. Right. I have a le- you know, a, right. a license. I just don't have it physically with me. <laughs> but can you imagine driving with knowing? You don't have a license. It's in, I can't imagine yeah. the pressure and yeah. stress that causes. Um, and so, yeah, the, the, the legal systems are very different. And so there aren't any precise words in Spanish that you can really interpret because that concept doesn't exist. So, it, right. you know, we try to do the best we can. Um, so what I have loved about being on the bench, because I, I will toot my horn. Yeah, toot um, it. We give <laughs> flowers here. We give all the flowers here. I am the first elected Hispanic judge in Tennessee. Yep. Now, Governor Lee just appointed a gentleman in Knoxville about a month ago. So I'm excited for him. He is in criminal court in Knoxville. Um, But I'm the first elected. And my hope is that when somebody comes into my courtroom, no Mm -hmm. matter what language they speak, hopefully they know they're not going to be judged by the fact that they're not you know, fluent in their language and that I have the knowledge of how to use an interpreter and that, that at least that part of the stress will go to one side and then we can concentrate on, you know, um, you know, the actual case. This is a two part. So I'm going to do the first one first. One, being a Latinx woman, how has that made your experience good at moments mm-hmm. right you can use it to your benefit or maybe provided you challenges that some of your counterparts may have not faced or microaggressions and things mm-hmm. like that well first of all when i was young um talking about microaggressions um when i was young people when i'd walk into a courtroom they always thought i was the interpreter not the mm. lawyer um, then, and I'm not going to name names, but uh, some name them, <laughs> lean into it. Now. <laughs> Sometimes when things were press worthy, you know, mm-hmm. I'd be trotted in front of the camera. And you, mm-hmm. when you're young, you don't really, right. you're like, well, I want to keep my job. So, right. so, you know, just, and I want to be on camera. Yeah, yeah. And so you're trotted in front right. of cameras, um, to show, you know, we're not racist, right? right. We're diverse. Yes. We're yeah. diverse and we're not racist. And, um, there was something else I was going to say. Can you say again your question? Yeah, what was your, the experience okay. as far as being okay. a Latinx woman and maybe good or bad, how it maybe benefited mm-hmm. you or caused more challenges yeah. because of, you know. Well, and um, I'll tell you this. It's strange because when people think of, people often forget brown people. Right. I mean, and and... Um, when programs are dreamed of or thought of or implemented, they forget there's a brown aspect to it. Right. And so that's, um, luckily I can have the voice to say, whoa, wait a Mm. minute. What about this person? Um, and luckily I have been around for almost 27 years to, to hopefully have the credibility to be like time out. Yeah. Um, 
but it gives me so much joy that we have so many more Spanish-speaking attorneys right now. Um, but I will say back to your original question, is that, you know, I am assimilated, right? So I can sit on the, you know, I would sit on the bench and be looking at my case files and stuff like that. And then mm -hmm. I'd hear judges, you know, try to, this is back in the early days, um, kind of be sarcastic or mean to people who didn't speak English. Right. Forgetting that I was sitting there. Right. And you're yeah. like, dude. <laughs> <laughs> here I'm right here right. so you know I try to get up and smooth right. things but how does that how does that smooth things what does that look like well, like how, how how does a a, a young Anna yeah and then maybe now right. uh, a more seasoned veteran right. Anna like how do you how did you and how do you now like you know broach those yeah. those situations when you know like Come right. on. So that is a great question because I um, I think in the or, you know, mid 90s, early 2000s, growing up as a, a child of the 70s, 80s, um, you would politely mm -hmm. say, hey, you know, don't forget, blah, blah, blah. Right. I think now learning, getting to know much younger people mm -hmm. and and hearing a, a younger kind of more radical philosophy it's like wait a minute you right. know you have no right yeah, <laughs> you exactly. so um i because i'm from the 70s and 80s the anna now would be firm but mm -hmm. polite right. uh, and i'm not saying that being a f like firm and affirmative and right. and and purposeful is not polite right but that goes back to the concept of wanting people who are Caucasian to feel comfortable right. exactly. in their mistake right. or their misconception. Right. And I think we're moving away from that as a society, right? right. We don't want to make right. it comfortable exactly. anymore. Exactly. So, but, but I grew up in the South right. when it was really Nashvilleians right. and everybody's polite and says hello and like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you try to make everyone feel comfortable. And right. so you would say something politely. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah no, that makes sense. It yeah. Makes, yeah, it, it makes sense. Um, how, as you ascended through mm -hmm. the, 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 just the, the legal system and, you know, now being a judge, mm -hmm. how did you see your dynamic with community like change in any way because now you know you're a judge mm -hmm. and you know things can be can be a little a little different you know right. and how people may interact or mm -hmm. you know want to interact with you um how did what did that look like for you in okay. the latinx community here yeah. in nashville well first of all i will say that now i'm incredibly funny anytime <laughs> i tell a, a joke a whole courtroom starts laughing when I really am not that funny, right? <laughs> but it has been a beautiful, beautiful response. Um, there's a lot of pride, mm -hmm. um, and I and I try to be available um, to Im all immigrants. I mean, I try to go to Turk events and mm -hmm. Conexión Americas, mm -hmm. and you know, any, as much as I can, because I hope to be a role model to uh, young men and women that mm -hmm. they can do what I did and right. and I owe them um, being an immigrant is a gift yeah. to me it's not a burden mm -hmm. and um, I owe that community to right. be a spokesperson and to do the best I can right. and to represent well and I think the immigrant mentality has always been you got to work twice as hard 
-hmm. and and women also have that mentality you got to work twice as hard to get half the credit and so um you know i I don't want to um, embarrass or ever make them disappointed because i feel like it's it's uh it's an honor um but oh i will say one wonderful thing Uh, 20 years ago, we tried to start um, the a Hispanic Bar Association, and it was just like six of us, so it didn't really work. But in 2018, I got together with some other young people, and we put it together. And now we have meetings where there are 30 wow. people showing up who speak either yeah. speak Spanish or native speakers. Wow. And it is so beautiful to me, yeah. so gratifying to me to see how yeah. it's grown. And I hope it continues to grow. I, I want you to... Because I want to get into some mm-hmm. nuanced things, right? Okay. Because I I want to make sure in this conversation that we, we really dedicate time to the like the the unique experiences that Latinx our Latinx community members have mm-hmm. that are that are different than right. than our Black community mm-hmm. members or White community members or Asian community members, but primarily Black because we're often you know compared to a lot when it comes to the treatment mm-hmm. of the criminal legal system. What are some differences, right, that um, that the Latinx community may go through when trying to navigate the criminal legal system that that that, mm-hmm. that Black Americans may not go through? And I say Black Americans because we know there are oh, darker skin right, Latinx right. community members as yes, well. Yes. Um, if people did not know that, yeah, if if yeah. you didn't know, <laughs> yeah. but, and so so right. so like, what, like I said, my fa- my grandfather is black. Or right, was black. Exactly, he passed exactly, away. Exactly. Yeah. And so, so so what what are some of those those niche things mm-hmm. that this it's just going to be different. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be different, but. You know, they're maybe not talked about a lot of times because we, you know, we're often just grouped mm-hmm. in together to have this, to share the same experience. Right. I guess um, the biggest thing for me, as we've discussed, mm-hmm. is the immigration piece to it right. um, because that adds a whole nother layer of another legal system right. that is not in your favor. Right. Um, so there's that. Then there's. Um, so you're talking about fears, like those fears of yes. this. Because remember, immigration jail, there's not those protections to mm. be treated humanely. And some of the stories, I mean, do you remember those children that were in those horrible camps? Exactly. Um, so, you know, you don't have that protection of un- fr- uh, uh, cruel and unusual punishment, you know. So, so if I know, if I have those fears, what are, what are some of the tactics that you've ever seen mm-hmm. being used are known to be used either by police officers, mm-hmm. other attorneys that try to use that to their advantage to yeah. get um, our Latinx community members to self-incriminate or take mm-hmm. a deal they don't want to take. What is what is what is that? What does that look like? And what are some scenarios yeah. where that may that those fears may encourage right. someone to do something they that's really not in their best interest? So. First, I'll say when I was um, team leader of the domestic violence unit for the DA's office here, I would see it all the time Mm. where defense lawyers, the way it kind of works is defense lawyers often know about a case before DAs know it. So they have time to investigate and talk to people. And so I would see these defense attorneys get to the the complaining witness slash victim and be like, do you really want to prosecute? Are you sure you want to prosecute? He's going to get deported. And then what are you going to do? You know, his, all his moms, like in El Salvador, you know, who needs right. her check f- 
right. or it needs parts. So they're that guilt factor. So mm. then they're less likely to show up to court if, right. if they've gotten that guilt. Right. Um, the other thing is, and unfortunately I see this sometimes, is that when you're pleading somebody to a criminal case, you have to really watch what you're doing technically on the paperwork because for instance i don't know if you've heard of the law 4035 313 it's a expungible probation that all all tennesseans have so okay. we other than murder a lot of us have one free bite at the apple okay. you know <laughs> where we can if you complete probation right um you can get it expunged and it's like it never happened but with people that are undocumented immigration considers that a plea of guilt because that Tennessee law is not a federal law. It is a Tennessee fiction. And so unfortunately there are lawyers committing malpractice thinking they're doing something good. Right. Um, and their client really, yeah. 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 So that's another nuance is those technical pieces of what a plea. And sometimes people will take pleas, thinking that it'll help them with immigration when they may not have been necessarily guilty, right. but, but to try to try kinda, to avoid, yeah. you know, other serious right. things that they don't really want to yeah. deal with in far systems. Yeah. Ah, that's a lot. Yeah. That's a, that's it a is. lot. So, so, so now in the Latinx community, are, are you seeing more, well, it's going to be kind of, this is kind of segue mm-hmm. to what you what I know you do, but do you see more of that um, criminal legal education happening um, between the community, especially when they when they arrive, they have mm-hmm. this this lot lot huger community than mm-hmm. when you came, right, when you, right, your family right. came, oh, yes. right? And so, what is what is what is that like power building look like now compared to before and how yeah. how are you seeing mm-hmm. that kind of you know help when they when when they do you know get pulled over something or whatever right. and have to show up well i will say one thing that people need to remember is that when you say latin mm-hmm. that means people from spain people right. from puerto rico's i mean i can't tell you how many times i've tried to explain to da's and pro- and judges right puerto rico is actually a state in the united right. states right? it actually is yeah but but so it's a very big net mm-hmm. and and they don't get along right. like some countries have these natural prejudices right. against other count- mm-hmm. countries so that's, that's a whole that's a, that's a whole <laughs> other thing the spanish is different right. a word in um, Colombian Spanish may be an insult in another land, in right. another Hispanic country. Right. So there are a lot of differences, and that's I think that's layers. yes. And yeah. so I think it's going to be our second and third generations that'll kind of be able to really get right. empowered together. Right. Because there's so much f- f- like fractions and, right. and things, but. To your point, the public defender's office here in Nashville is doing a great job of educating people Mm -hmm. um, about their rights. And they have hired somebody, or they had hired, I don't know if if this position still exists, um, somebody who consults not just on the criminal case, but on the immigration case. Okay. Because that is a very much needed piece. Right. And so when I see things that aren't really great for clients, it's usually non-public defenders doing it. when I was in private practice, I always made people hire me and an immigration lawyer so that right. I wouldn't mess them up, you right. know, yeah. not knowing. 
<laughs> yeah, because that's but, a big responsibility yeah, right. to change the course of a family. A huge responsibility. Yeah. Um, being a judge, you know, you get to see a lot, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of cases, a lot of different scenarios, a lot of different situations. Um, being in this field for a, a good amount of time mm-hmm. now, what 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 is your thoughts or even definition on like justice? Like, what does that right. mean to you as a as a as a person, as a mm-hmm. human being, living and breathing? But it, it, what does that mean to you? It look like as mm-hmm. a judge as well that has to you know be bipartisan and and and, and right. look at everything in totality. Well, I feel I'm very lucky that I had both sides right. um, because I can appreciate the pros and cons of both sides. As a defense attorney slash public defender, I would, you know, people will say, how can you do that? How mm-hmm. can you defend people? But really, it's all about what can they prove? Right. I could care less if you did it or didn't do it. I will right. never ask you that. Right. Let's look at what they can prove. Right. So is that justice? I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. but that's one portion of it. Right. For criminal, for prosecutors, and, and you know, I've been immersed in domestic violence for the last six years so that's kind of my lens right now um is there justice i mean right i i am very vocal that i i think we need to really fix these classes that we send Mm. um people that are accused of public offense of domestic violence we need to fix these classes because right now they're called batter intervention classes and it's 26 weeks and private companies are making a bundle off of people and right. I don't think it gets to the core. A lot of people have PTSD, the ACEs, mm-hmm. they've, you know, they've seen right. so much as children that they yes, yeah. yes, they need therapy. Right. <laughs> you know? Not some workbook <laughs> right. about like my tools if I'm getting mad, you know? Right. It, it, <laughs> you know, if we really want to fix this, we right. really should be doing that. And so for justice i mean it's a it's a loaded word yeah domestic for a domestic (laughs) violence victim right they still love that person right and they're still going to live with that person and what i try to tell people is hey we're all going to fight right but we want you to do it in a safe and healthy way where Mm -hmm. your children can see how you do it and Mm -hmm. so that they know how to fight safely and healthily healthy so that they don't become a victim or a perpetrator so but is there justice? I don't right. Know. Yeah. I, I don't know if we, <laughs> you know? many would say, I don't know if we yeah. ever witnessed that, especially as black yeah. and brown folks in this Mm-mm. country. We, I don't, I don't know if we, we know no. what that, what that looks like really. I mean, last week I had, this week I had a case where these families kept, have been going. I mean, I've known of them for the last three or four years going back and forth, back and forth because, you know, this family killed somebody from their family and that family killed somebody from their family i mean is that when is that gonna stop what right. is that that's not right what are we doing yeah it's not exactly. justice i mean yeah. everybody's it, going to jail is that justice right I mean, yeah <laughs> that doesn't seem to work that doesn't seem to stop no. things from happening okay so um you 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 i have to i have to bring this up now okay. so you you didn't lead into this because um talk about resources Right and and like what what is really happening with that and, and a lot of people I think you know or forget that you know judges you all don't make laws no, <laughs> no you we all are stuck are, with are laws. Fall, yeah. you know, stuck with the statutes and things that are in place and have your wiggle rooms here and mm-hmm. there and, and and can figure out some stuff 
Um, how do you use, because I think, again, judges have very specific mm-hmm. perspectives because you all see the things that are actually right. happening. How do you use that that perspective and in, in that power that you have to maybe advocate or push for things that will prevent people from having to show up in front of you in court? Mm-hmm. Well, so, it, you know, being a judge um, actually takes away your voice. You know, we, mm. ha- we are under the Board of Judicial Conduct. So we're not supposed to really advocate for things. Right. We're not supposed to, like, endorse candidates. And, and I think people need to know that because then they get frustrated with us because, like, oh, yeah, I helped elect you, yeah. and now you won't do Expectations anything. Expectations are realistic. Right. Yeah, you know, but we can't. We right. cannot because we're supposed to be neutral. Right. And, and definitely give the appearance of neutrality. So um, even – anyway. So um, – it's, it's like, hard. how do you yeah, say, yeah. like, like yeah. <laughs> knowing that, like, how, uh-huh. like, because judges are, like, eight years, ter- this is a long, yeah. t- this is a long yes. time, and, and, and I know it's a slippery slope for you right, all, so right. I wonder, how do you balance that, like, how do, yeah. like, how do you say, I know if, if the city or if our federal government provided and subsidized mm-hmm. these resources here, that, these individuals will end up where where why they mm-hmm. they have to be in front of you. So I'll I'll tell you what. So we have the administrative office of the courts, um, mm-hmm. which is actually just down the street from right. you, and we also have the um, our judicial conference has a lobbyist, and so we can go through those two mm-hmm. organizations to kind of um, suggest legislation or um, help educate. Um, legislators about the impact of, of different legislation. Right. Um, How does that work out? <laughs> well, be, unfortunately, because the whole state, yeah, um, there are like two hundred and something judges. Like it's only a handful that get really heard. Right. Um, but you know, it. For instance, in the uh, my other passion is treatment courts, right? Okay. Um, because you see how people's lives can be changed mm-hmm. in when it's could be negative negatively affected under a traditional right. um, type of court but the treatment courts have really um, advocated for themselves in front of this legislature this conservative legislature and this legislature has has um, funded um, many many projects um with veterans court mental mm-hmm. health court judge uh, melissa blackburn um just got a law passed that would fund her courts or fund the mental health court throughout the state mm-hmm. um so there is an ability i guess to answer your question right. to advocate um you got to be for big. maybe concepts but not right. like you know murder should be right. an a misdemeanor you can't do that right <laughs> yeah. right exactly but um but yeah so yeah and it's just, i just because mm-hmm. i think a lot of I, I think i was one of those people for a long time like man judges have all this but mm-hmm. they should be mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and because but like yeah. once you understand that you you can have realistic expectations mm-hmm. for judges or any kind of um right. elected position in our city that was like okay like these are these are their parameters mm-hmm. what they have to kind of the wiggle room they have to operate in so you know, yeah, I so can't. it's it's hard because you have yeah. to be, like, you have to, the rules of ethics kind of are, are right. overarching, and you have to be neutral, and you do mm-hmm. need to be polite. Right. Um, 
and and honestly like on my dockets 80 percent of the things that happen are because the da has made a decision right and so where i step in is if it's like whoa is this a realistic thing mm -hmm. or you know is this too high is this too low right. but i really i'm not I don't have power over right. every single case. And right. then when it comes to hearings, my big job is to be the referee, really, yeah. to make sure everybody gets heard and it's fair and we're following the rules of evidence. What's the, what's the most challenging part of being a judge for you? It is probation violations um, because I see so many people with mental health issues mm. and, um, and addiction issues. Mm. And it is frightening it is so frightening especially with fentanyl the right. number of overdoses in this city is is a quietly kept secret that needs to be that should be another topic for yeah. you seriously because it's awful people are losing their lives over this fentanyl and how does that intersect with i'm a new american yeah is or you know i don't speak the i don't right. i don't i'm not a, a proficient english speaker how does though how do those things it's a nightmare because like a lot of this is just me generalizing of mm -hmm. what i see right. a lot of individuals who have come from africa have come with tremendous ptsd mm -hmm. um from just what they have experienced in their right. country and they come here and their mental health is just not great right. and trying to find a psychiatrist or you know m you know mtmhi or some entity that can speak that person's language right and give a diagnosis and and right. do an evaluation mm -hmm. is really hard wow um and it's you know it's just horrible things right. that these people have seen in their countries right. and are here um same thing with um with recovery communities, I don't think there are any right. any uh, interpreters or Spanish-speaking right. people there. Um, the best we have is a Spanish Spanish-speaking class for batter's intervention, right. um, and I think the DUI school or the alcohol safety class right. is what they call it now. Um, they have a Spanish speaker, but trying to get mental health and a, like true inpatient addiction right. stuff is just not available right yeah and that's i think a lot of that too is around it like language justice you know mm -hmm. um that i know a lot of um, organizations are working on like um workers dignity mm -hmm. it's like one of absolutely them. yeah for sure um and really pushing that yeah and understanding like the layer of language and how that can make a break a situation and just make things yes. more complex and just a short like this this is this is this is a short story i my car got hit Ooh. um and, I, and this is a, this is a really special situation my car got hit um uh by a guy who's just moved here from guatemala mm. and i just happened to speak spanish yeah. right wow. so just <laughs> and, and and it was still difficult because yeah. i i think the 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 Spanish that we spoke was more of an indigenous kind of. So yes, it was kind of. That was another point yeah, yeah. I was going to make to you. Yes. And so that was a whole thing, yes. right? And, and, and being informed and understanding, like, okay, yeah. like the whole concept of insurance wasn't, mm -hmm. was different. All yeah. of these things, it's like, okay. And I was like, let me call Jorge, Jorge Salas Diaz. Yeah. Let me call. He's in law school now, in the building, matter of fact. Uh, and, and he helped me, like, kind of like figure out like the best way to, to, to navigate. Mm -hmm 
that situation and it worked out fine okay but it's like those type of yeah. things i'm pretty sure happen more times than often in being aware and being just being like compassionate right but also knowing like what could be the repercussions of going through the mm-hmm. typical normal protocol that right. one would typically go through call the police out of the light like what could what what may could happen or not happen right yeah. and so well, just you're, being aware of those things you've got cultural competence yeah right mm-hmm. um so yeah so now in nashville we're seeing people who have those indigenous languages mm-hmm. and that you know in to describe that i guess it's like those mayan mm-hmm. like indigenous it's not spanish right it's not spanish. and so then some I'm, unfortunately i've seen some judges get frustrated like they people speak spanish but it's their second language it's not their first language and right. finding these like chew and um i can't i can't think of the other ones trying to find these interpreters we're having to use the language line right um and i don't know if you're um, I'm familiar, not familiar with, with a language that. line yeah so the language line is a national thing so you could be calling somebody you call the language line you tell them what language you need it's of course incredibly expensive um right. that the government has to pay for i think it's some languages are like 300 dollars an hour with Sheesh. a two-hour minimum or something like wow. that and so this person could be in California interpreting, but, you know, interpreting is a profession and a gift. Right. And some people are not great at it. Yeah, don't ask me to interpret anything <laughs> in Spanish. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nothing. Well, nothing. it's a gift. I mean, you have to know how to do it. Right. Um, and so um, people just assume, well, if, you know, just let's do this in Spanish. But that's a second language, right. you know. And and they may not be able to read in Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's happening right now, um, that people are not really, don't right. want to take the time to, uh, to yeah. figure this out. Right. What does it, what does that look like figured out? Like what, if you, if you had your dream budget mm-hmm. of like, okay, we are just going to pour all of these things in order to serve this particular group mm-hmm. of people, because like this, not that, what would that look like? Well, it would be training for the people who weren't that people. <laughs> <laughs> Start there. We need to, we need to train the people that are not affected first. Get them get them up to speed. Yeah, and you know, and I, I love the fact that we're we're talking about um, discrimination and racial relations, but it, once again, the brown aspect of that right. is not being really talked about. Yeah. And you know, when when offices are doing that DEI work. Yeah. And um, they're not remembering the entire DEI population. And then to me, the biggest part is inclusion. Right. It's great to be diverse. So what it so let's let's like let's dig into that. What is that? What is that? What did those conversations sound like? Right. Mm -hmm. Because I can see how, again, like they they tend to group black and brown together Mm -hmm. with like realistically probably more emphasis on black right Mm -hmm. in this country right um so what are those conversations um and then what can possibly black folks do Mm -hmm. to make sure like hey well like how can we be allies in that Mm -hmm. understanding that thank you but like we need to also remember the brown aspect of that in these things well it's so funny. I, I attended a DEI workshop at one of the places I worked at, and I remember the three of us who were brown were like, <laughs> "What about us?" Because <laughs> I forgot it was some weird exercise where like the white people were on one side and the black people were on the other side, and then we're just like, 
<laughs> Here we are. Wow. And so and I, it, it sounds bad, but it was an exercise that made sense at the time. I can't. You know, I but I think remember. that's 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 yeah. that's a, something to bring yeah. up, though, for people to be like more yeah. conscious and aware right. about. Yeah. Yeah. Even black folks. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and huh. I mean, I think, and, and people who are Hispanic can be white, 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 white right. with blue eyes. Mm-hmm. You know, the typical beautiful Colombian woman is right. white with green eyes. Mm. Um, and so it's such a different. It's a yes yeah, array diff- of yeah. yeah. So it's hard to say this or that, but. Right. Um, but it's frustrating because people in businesses don't, I guess it's almost like you need to wait your time. Right. Like we're focusing on this and then right. we'll get to y'all. Right. Um, hmm. and, it, and it is, I guess, I don't know. That's hard. It's complex. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, and then the inclusion part, I think, is, is critical. Like with our Muslim brothers mm-hmm. and sisters, our friends, mm-hmm. you know, you can be diverse with a Muslim community, but are you going to invite them to lunch? Are you going to invite right. them to your home? Are you right. going to go to their their mosque? I mean, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, that's why we do this, mm-hmm. right? I think that's why, like, talking about it and calling it out. Yeah. Because somebody may, I think a lot of it sometimes is unintentional. Yes. You no, know? no. But I, you, think, you, I think it's comfort. Yeah, like it's comfort. Like with who yeah. you know and you have your inside jokes yeah. and but you then get like, each other. Well, once yeah. you hear it out loud, you're yeah. like, oh, I did not think right. about it. Maybe I can, you know, so hopefully somebody listening and watching this can take the next step in mm-hmm. their DI, DIE, whatever, you, yeah. all that. <laughs> Training and take the next step. Just ask yeah, someone yeah, to lunch. Yeah, yeah, just ask someone to lunch. Yeah, just ask someone to lunch. Just ask someone to lunch. Um, I want to go into the My City Academy. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, and really digging that, which you co-founded. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, that kind of brings home everything mm-hmm. that, like, I think that we talked about and really – uh, working with new Americans so they can mm-hmm. really understand like government yes. and like the legal like 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 okay you here now mm-hmm. it's a little different maybe right. than home right. <laughs> let let us embrace you in a brave and civil mm-hmm. space non-judgmental like so like what does that look like what happens okay. there and also like like how do people um, are made aware that how can they sign up okay. or what's that process well this topic makes me super <laughs> happy so I'm glad you brought it up. So let me give you a little history. When I was um, Metro Clerk, I was okay. Metro Clerk for two years, okay. um, which is Clerk of the Council. Um, and once again, my champion, Carl Dean, got me appointed to that. Okay. Um, Carl Dean, we got to get you on yes. here. We got to get Carl <laughs> Dean on here. Just... He's the best. So, um, so um, it's an unusual role because you're appointed by the mayor, but you're confirmed by the council. So you, you work for the council, but you still have input with the mayor and work with the mayor and so at that time um i you're kind of like the manager of the council chambers and so i kept seeing you know people from leadership nashville and leadership tennessee middle tennessee and all these you know 54 and all these groups coming in and having Mm -hmm. these government days and you know to get into leadership nashville it's a pretty big deal you have to be invited and then you have to be selected exactly Mm -hmm. And in one day, I was like, that is just so unfair. <laughs> like, these people are getting this, to meet the, the movers and shakers of the city mm-hmm. because they know somebody or right. they do something important. But right. what about the everyday citizen? So right. that's kind of how that started. And so I literally, like, 
went down to Mayor Dean's office and was like, I have an idea. And what if we did this for, you know, new Americans, but made it about metro government so that they could learn about metro government. And he, um, he's got a wonderful way of being a leader. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't micromanage. And then if you have an idea, mm-hmm. he won't take credit for it, but he will encourage you. You know, if it's successful, right. he won't take credit for it, but, and he will always give you credit, but it will mm. just be behind you all the way. And so I was like, what if we just give this a try? And I literally was like sketched out. Right. I really didn't know what I was doing. And he's like, sure, go for it. And we had no budget. So, but I have The best things start off with, <laughs> with no, no budget. budget. Yes. <laughs> so um, Aaron Williams and Billy Fields from the Office of, of Neighborhoods worked with me on this. And so what we did is we came up with um, six months, once a month, you'd come for a day. Okay. We had like a public safety day. Um, I forgot what else. I mean, education, um, government. Um, I forgot where, like the water department and all that. I forgot what we called that. But each day you would learn and you'd go to these departments. Mm-hmm. Um, and my absolute favorite tour, believe it or not, of Metro is the water plant. Okay. Omahundra is gorgeous. And when you hear them ex- explain how water is purified here, mm-hmm. it's amazing. I'm going to have to take that <laughs> I need to know about that. I am such a geek about the water department. That Cumberland Punch, <laughs> as my dad used to, want some Cumberland Punch? What's that? Yeah, the water. Yeah. Well, Omahundra, when we had the flood, was the only one that was functioning, and it was the oldest, so it's right. crazy, and it's beautiful. But um, but I'll never forget, like, we go down there as a group in our donated bus, and, right. <laughs> and um, this lady had never bought water in Nashville, because in her country, you can't drink the water, water right you right. buy bottled water and she's been spending all this money on bottled water so this um just long time water department um employee like gets her a glass of water and she drinks it and she says oh that's really good this water department employee started crying <laughs> i know that's silly but in the moment it was just beautiful how he right. convinced this lady who had never probably drank non-bottled water forever right, right. to take to save money and drink out of our water and they just and, shed a tear and they shed a tear and we took pictures of her like <laughs> it's just beautiful but so you know same thing with um you know the police the sheriff right all these different leaders would come down and we you know they'd get the handouts and this is who you contact if you need this or that mm-hmm. um they were educated on stormwater right. because who knew you can't really pour things down the stormwater right, drains right, and right. like codes you know this was before there was the chicken legislation right like people were having chickens you can't do that you need to do right. blah, blah, blah. so the beautiful thing that i did not anticipate was that as these people were learning these participants were learning about metro metro was learning about them mm. so, so you know they'd ask a question and right. then the the director would be like oh we hadn't thought of that right let's keep talking about yeah. this you know <laughs> and they networked within each their group and you know i do this i do that let's you know let's mm-hmm. network um so that was just beautiful beautiful um and in the long run they started serving on boards wow um, because they became equated 
with um, Metro. Yeah. And they felt comfortable. Right. Um, they had met Metro. And yeah. so the beautiful thing was seeing them being appointed to boards. Um, because to me, as you know, knowledge is power. Exactly. And if you can take that back to your community and say, you know, hey, this is how you get your trash picked up, or, right. you know, this is who you would call for that, because it could be very frustrating. Yeah. Especially like if you're asking Metro to solve a federal issue or the feds to solve a Metro issue, right. <laughs> you know, you're going to be really <laughs> frustrated. And Metro employees are good people. Mm -hmm. I mean, for the most part, they want to do a good job. They right. love this city. Um, so it's a beautiful thing. And so it's been around for 10 years now. And wow, that's amazing. every mayor that we've had, and we've had a lot of mayors, haven't we? <laughs> last, last couple years, yeah. you know. They've kept it. You're right. And I, I hope and pray, and I will advocate for the next mayor if it's not, you know, whichever right. mayor it is. <laughs> right. <laughs> Listen, now, you, you're not ready to get into those weeds no, yet. No, 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 no. <laughs> Whoever is the winner, I will keep advocating for it to stay. Um, because I think it, it, it helps everybody. Right. You know? Yeah. And then, the, you know, we'd ha we had the first graduation um, at the Parthenon in front of Athena. Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you've ever had been to an event there, but yeah. it's just beautiful and yeah. so impressive and like they felt special no, that's amazing once again our reception was bring your bring a dish from your native land because yeah. we had no money <laughs> no budget so therefore bring your own drink dish <laughs> potluck or we, it we was a potluck but it was the best and i still get people who are like hey i was in this class or that yeah. class and it was really cool so no that's that's amazing yeah. and like like that's just, that's community, right? right that's that's just right. community, and that's you recognizing yeah. like like we're missing something. There's right. some blind spots, and bringing people and giving people opportunity mm -hmm. to learn and connect, right? right? And networking, and who knows what have like came out of those right. things, right? And who people knows? meet. Who yeah. knows, right? Who who knows? And so like, thank you. Well, uh, and, and, and and call Dean for believing yeah. in you. And be able to start that 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 initiative, and, and that's and that's why the name my city. city. Yeah, it's not because you know us that have felt as outsiders. Right. I exactly. want them to feel this is my city. Right. And um, yeah, no, the uh, Aaron and Billy did right. so much, and it's just it's a beautiful thing. And I will say that it was in a white paper at the <laughs> Obama White House. So <laughs> throw it out there, hey, yeah. toot your own horn. This is what this is about. Um, but no, it's a beautiful thing to understand each other, yeah. right? To spend a day with somebody from somewhere else. Yeah, be more intentional yeah. about that. Mm -hmm. That's what we should we should all be doing. Yeah. Um. You know, another eight years coming up for you. <laughs> yeah. Um. I'm pretty sure Nashville's gonna look a lot different. Yes. In eight years, if we if we continue building like we're building. Um. But what does that mean, like mm -hmm. for uh, General Sessions Court? What does that mean? Um from a criminal legal system for our, our Latinx community, mm -hmm. right? What does that mean and what role do you want to play in that? Well, um, that's that's a big question. Um, I'm excited about our new crew mm -hmm. of judges because yep. there are 11 of us. And so um, I think because of COVID, we've become much more open to technology. And so I... I don't see i hope there's not a world where we stop meeting in person totally mm -hmm. but for convenience sake there are times when you right. need to have zooms and that kind of thing and be more open right 
um, to technology in the courtroom. So that's going to be exciting. I think we'll keep expanding on that and make it more consumer friendly. Um, And you'll be able to access things more online. Um, And I'm just really proud of of our city governments are hiring more and more Latinx employees who can who can uh, provide customer service or representation advocacy for Latinx people. Right. So that's exciting. But then we're going to have to figure out the same exact thing for our Kurdish brothers and sisters right. and Egyptians. You know, the vast yes, like very multicultural community that right, we have now. Right, and it's yeah. it's beautiful. But but they're where we were in with Spanish like ten years ago. Yeah. Um. As for me, I really, you know, I run a, um, I'm the presiding judge for a treatment court for human trafficking survivors um, who are involved in the criminal justice system. And I am learning about addiction and um, mental health and um, human trafficking, obviously, and trauma and all that. And I think if we as judges start learning more about addiction, so many of the things that we see will start to make a little more sense because people i i really genuinely still believe in people um but sometimes mental health and addiction just takes them down a path they never wanted to go right and um i hope that we become more centered on that yeah and and if we do that means like you all have more uh, resources available Mm -hmm. When those individuals come in front of you all, you can identify it and say, okay, well, mm-hmm. uh, we have these programs, we have these resources, you know, that right. hopefully are free, right? Yes, yes. At <laughs> yes. no cost. Right. And let's try this before, mm-hmm. you know, we throw you in jail. Right. Or whatever, right? Right. That, um, or have to even put you on probation or anything. Yeah. Let's, let's try something yeah. else. Um, um, you know, I was so ignorant about addiction when I, you know, was a younger attorney because mm-hmm. I thought if you went to rehab, it'd be fine. You're done. Yeah. You're, you're cured. Boy, it is. When you walk along with somebody who's in the throes of that, you are humbled. They are yeah. strong people. Yeah. They are. Yeah. I don't. Our proximity to it, mm-hmm. I think, determines that understanding, mm-hmm. right? Right. Because it's easy. Like, and, and we a lot of us probably based off our own ego and mm-hmm. uh, what we've done so it's like oh i could stop if i could like yeah. and if, you, if again if you've never been through it if you don't know it like you don't it's 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 it's, 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 it's serious yes it's it is serious. serious yeah and how it affects people's behavior mm-hmm. and what they do or don't do like people they just not themselves no. right and so and you know that just trickles down the family and children yeah and, you know. and affects a lot of people yeah yeah affects a lot of people it's just sad yeah um, so I hope to keep learning, and I hope that our criminal justice system keeps learning about that and being more aware of that. Um, I will say the sheriff's department um, started the Behavioral Care Center. Mm-hmm. Have you heard about that? I have. That is a phenomenal program um, that hopefully will divert people from prosecution. Yeah. I think um, that's, like, the point mm-hmm. is, you know, how how do we not jail mental mm-hmm. health, right? I mm-hmm. think that's the thing. and. How do you know? And I think we try. We exploring some stuff, even yes. with like the MNPD and the sh- um, the 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 pilot that they have yes. with the mental yes. health responses mm-hmm. and things like that. And you know, and 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 not having to respond to everything with police. Correct. Right. And mm-hmm. I think that's you know, I don't know where they are in the pivot, in the pilot right. program now, but like, you know, we have to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, and having 
some program is better than no program right. to kind of figure out, okay, right. can we, can we, does police have to show up at all? Can this mental health handle these type of things? And so, um, what I've we'll, learned in my old age <laughs> is if you call something a pilot, people are willing to try it. But yeah. if you, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> okay, that's fine. Okay, let's try it. <laughs> let's try it. Okay, all right. Um, I want to give you the last word, Anna. Okay. Um, like, this has been this has been very. I want to do this again. Oh, I'd love to. Yeah, because I just to. I just think like there's, like there's so much that we can dive even mm-hmm. more into. We'll be here for five hours, um, just talking about talking about these things. Um, but I want to give you the last mm-hmm. word to just leave with us with the people. Just something that's okay. on your heart, or just think think things that people may consider. Um, even if it's even something specific mm-hmm. to the Latinx community. Okay. Well, um, once again, I'm, I, it has been a joy to 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 be here with you because mm-hmm. it's so easy to talk to you. Yeah, I mean, thank this, you. This yeah, is a you wonderful know. conversation. <laughs> I'm having a good time. Um, the biggest thing I say is, first of all, it is I would never dreamed, never dreamed that I would be a judge. <laughs> Um, and I never dreamed that I would campaign. I'm actually an introvert and I'm actually shy. And so it's hard for me to do that. And, and I've just been very blessed, um, to be able to figure that out. Um, but because of that, I say that people should feel, do things that make you feel uncomfortable Mm. because you will get the best rewards. Mm. I mean, for me, public speaking and being out there is uncomfortable, but I have met wonderful people yep. like today. Yep. Um, and the great thing about campaigning is you get to know parts of Nashville that you may not necessarily know. Mm-hmm. And I always say that there are people in Nashville that are quietly doing really good things in their neighborhoods right. that we'll never know. We will never know. Right. Um, and there are good people out there. So make yourself get out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. The other thing is to be engaged. Yep. Um, if you're not happy with something at work or in the city, speak up, yeah. speak up. I mean, you don't have to, you know, run a protest or, right. you know, do something formal. If you just speak up so many times, people mm-hmm. are like, oh, we didn't realize this was having that effect. Right. Oh, we'll, we'll change it, you know. Right. So be brave enough to speak out and not, you know, why be miserable for no reason. Right. Um, and for the Latinx community, um, he said puede right (laughs) (laughs) always always um you know you just work hard Mm -hmm. and and you know in law all you have is your word Mm -hmm. because we don't sell products right Right. all you have is your reputation and your word Mm -hmm. so if you work hard and you keep your word and you're honest and you know try to be the best person you can be i think you can do anything Mm -hmm. um and like I said, find a champion. Right. If I hadn't had those champions early on, I don't know where I'd be because mm-hmm. they op- they opened doors. They put me in situations where I could grow, and mm-hmm. it was totally selfless. Right. So find those selfless people that want to help you mm-hmm. be your best self. Judge Anna Escobar, thank you for your time. Thank I you. I can't wait to do it again. Yes, we'll do it again. All right, sounds good. <laughs>